to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. I am Ben Standing, and I do cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. It is NFL Draft Week, so obviously uh, I'm talking a lot about that as well. What else are we going to do at this time of year? So this episode will be all about the NFL Draft, along with, of course, the Washington football team. Uh, what I've heard about them as well. Here's what we've got from the guest perspective. Uh, one of the best NFL draft thinkers out there, Mr. Tony Pauline from the Pro Football Network, joined me. Uh, he and I got together on Friday, talked about, uh, I peppered him with a bunch of questions about the draft, and we had a fun conversation about that. In addition, I wrote an article that went up on The Athletic uh, the end of last week, in which I wrote a feature about uh, Oregon tackle Penny Sewell. That's not have nothing to do with the Washington football team, but it does. But it does have to do with a player who is one of the top prospects in the draft. So, and hopefully, everybody can has a chance to go read that. If you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, obviously, would love for you to do that. And those of you who are, many thanks for that. Um, but anyway, I'm going to play a little bit of the sound from that interview here as well, and then. What I think I'm going to do to start the podcast is I uh, have updated my mock draft. This is not the final version. The pencils down situation comes Wednesday night. But um, I've, I've, I've thought about it a bunch more, and I'm ready to, to share some updated thoughts throughout the first round. But also, obviously, a lot of focus on the Washington football team, both at number 19, as well as some other things going on in the later rounds. So we'll get to all that along with Tony and Penny Sewell here in just a few moments on the Standing Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes or Spotify or any, anywhere else you do your podcasting. If you're an iTunes person, greatly appreciate everybody who's dropped a rating and a review. It doesn't take very long, but it does mean a lot. I really appreciate it. So if you're an iTunes person and you have a chance to do that, it would go a long way. I promise you that. And again, if you're not an athletic person, not subscribing to The Athletic yet, please go ahead and do that. Check out my work as well. I'll have a Washington-only mock draft i'm going to do a three-way version of that so play out different scenarios some of which i will talk about here but I'll, it'll be a, a, the fuller version over there uh, speaking of which let's uh, talk about my mock draft um uh, we have got um so uh, tony and i went in, as i said in, in, in pretty good uh, conversation in detail on various topics, and there may be a little bit of an overlap here. By the way, if you do want to jump straight to Tony, I'll put the timestamp in the um, in the in the show notes. But look, I I, I think what you you want to listen to me too as well. I, I'm going to have some things here, especially about the football team, and I've talked to people around the league since Tony and I spoke. Um, let's just go through this quickly here. I may not get to touch on every pick. We'll try to jump through as many as 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 we can. Uh, obviously, Jacksonville first pick, Trevor Lawrence. feel about 100% on that one. Uh, the second pick, New York Jets, Zach Wilson, quarterback BYU. I'd say 94% on that one. Just just leaving open the possibility that, uh, you know, we'll see on, on that. But I think, we're, I think we have a pretty good feel for where that is headed. The third pick, obviously, Mac Jones uh, is the presumed favorite at this point. For the 49ers, the only other name I've heard of that, that makes any sense is Trey Lance. But I haven't heard anything at this point that tells me it's not Mac Jones. I've heard arguments why it shouldn't be from fans and other and, and people around the league. But I haven't heard anything that tells me that it's not going to be him. And then to that point, you know, I do feel like the Mac Jones thing has gotten a little overboard. 
you know, people are acting like he's kind of like a bum. I mean, you know, we can debate what his upside is. If if people are comparing him to Kirk Cousins and think that's a knock, I don't think that's a knock. <laughs> uh, I mean, I understand the perception of why it's a knock, but look at all the recent quarterbacks who haven't made it out of their first contract with the team that drafted them. Uh, you know, we don't have to go through the whole list here, but it's a bunch of them. Or didn't get a second contract with somebody. Kirk Cousins, you know, obviously has has played well. I mean, I think you'd be happy if you said if you knew the guy you were going to get was that level of career versus some of these other guys. So in any event, Mac Jones looks like the pick at three at this point. The fourth pick is where it gets really interesting and can have huge effects on what happens beyond this. Uh, if the Fal- if the Falcons keep the pick, my sense would be uh, Kyle Pitts over Trey Lance. Kyle Pitts, a tight end from Florida, over Trey Lance. Uh, the question for me is, are they trading out? There are some teams that would clearly want to get a quarterback. I don't necessarily believe, at least logically, that Atlanta would take a quarterback. If they did, I think it would be Trey Lance. But but I'm not sure about, um, about that. So if they trade out, Denver is a team I think that would make a lot of sense. Uh, I'm not saying I've heard that definitively that that would be the, the, the case. I'm just saying Denver is sort of the logical team with the, high, with the highest, with the pick closest to the fourth pick. That, you know, if you're Atlanta, it would seem to make some sense. So if they made a trade up and the and the Broncos then take Trey Lance fourth, I think the Bengals would take Kyle Pitts fifth. The Dolphins, I think, would take Jamar Chase, the LSU wide receiver six. By the way, I'm assuming if you're listening, well, I'll try to do my best to name the player in the position. I assume most of you know who these guys are, but nonetheless, we will try um, to uh, – try to do that um so that would be six seven would therefore be uh penne sewell uh the top offensive lineman in this draft um that would be that now if kyle pitts goes four then i think jamar chase goes five jalen waddle the alabama wide receiver goes six then penne sewell and it gets kind of interesting um after that, but that would be my guess right now. It wouldn't stun me if Waddle goes six over Chase, uh, but at the same time, I, I think almost the, the vast majority of, uh, of teams have have Chase over Waddle, and that's why I would go with that. I, as I said, I don't think for Penny Sewell, I don't think he slides any further than eight to Carolina. We'll get to the Carolina situation though in a second, but first, here's a little bit of sound from my from my interview with Penny Sewell. I, I would say the. We, we talked a lot of different factors. He opted out of the season. We got into some of uh, to some of that. We got into to sort of who he is as a person, and part of that is is his uh, his mindset of sort of trying to make sure he can sort of separate himself on his on and off the field personas to keep himself whole. So here's a little bit of my conversation with Oregon tackle Penny Sewell. Yeah, no, it's, it, it changes uh, to a whole different person, to be honest. But I just don't like because for me I don't like to mix the two because uh, one is required of something that like me on a regular basis probably doesn't want to do. So uh, I separate the two with kind of business and fun aspects of things. So yeah, I'm a <laughs> I'm a chill, goofy person off the field. I love to put a smile on people's faces and just enjoy life. And then once I come. In between those lines, and I put the helmet on, and I'm ready to go to war. It's everything else is out the window, and, and I'm coming with a whole different mentality of what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to accomplish, and trying to really uh, 
put fear into everybody across from me, and then uh, I'm coming with violent intentions and so on and so forth. So, like, yeah, the person I am on the field, the person I am off the field are totally two different people. <laughs> Got it. Did you, did you by chance hear some of the things that were from uh, what Trevor Lawrence said the other day that got some attention about he kind of saying he wasn't really defined by football and that like he plays it hard, but whatever. It almost sounds a little bit like how, what you were talking about, like on the field is one thing, but off the field is not something necessarily that you want to consume you every minute of the day. Yeah, no, at the end of the day, we all have to realize that football is a sport too. It's, but for me, it's always been a way of life and I'm kind of learning on how to separate the two because, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I am a person too. Uh, there's much more to, to life than football, but at the same time, football has created that platform to where we are in the position that we are. So uh, just kind of find the right balance of uh, being the person you are and also playing football too. All right, so let's go from let's go from there. Um, I'm going to go down the path of uh, the. I'm going to go down the path of the of the the, the Panthers. Uh, we'll, we'll go with the path of the trade, the Broncos trading up just just to shake it up because I've talked about the same things all the time. The Panthers at eight. Okay, so Justin Fields is still on the board. It doesn't seem logical to me that they would take a quarterback having just traded up, traded some picks for Sam Darnold. That said, you know, I was I was told that cornerback or tackle is the likely scenario, but don't rule out quarterback. And Justin Fields is still on the board. If this is how it plays out, if New England hasn't traded up, somebody else hasn't traded up, or doesn't make a trade to the Panthers and they keep the pick. Like, I want to say it would be Patrick Sertain, the top cornerback in this draft from Alabama. If Justin Fields is on the board, however, I, I guess for now, I'm going to say Justin Fields. It is a little hard for me to fathom that, but that's my guess right now. Certain is where I would logically go, but I'm not here. Instead, with the ninth pick with Atlanta trading down now from Denver in this scenario, Patrick Certain would be what I would see for the Falcons, followed by J.C. Horn going to Dallas, who would love to get Certain, I would believe, but it's not going to – doesn't likely work out for them, but J.C. Horn has obviously got a lot of fans out there and that would address a big need for Dallas. Uh, by the way, as I said, mentioned New England, you know, they're the team I could see logically trading up. In the in the draft path where I have the Falcons picking four, I did a, a fake trade to have New England and the Lions trade, so New England jumping up to seven to then take um, a quarterback. I had Justin Fields over Trey Lance, but, you know, one of those guys. Um, in any event, let's just go through the NFC East teams here at 10, 11, 12. So I mentioned the Cowboys. J.C. Horn, to me, would make the most sense uh, based on their needs and, and the board at that point. The Giants at 11, uh, I can see two ways. I can see them taking Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons. I think the big question here is not is not the athleticism. For some people, question the instincts at the, um, at the linebacker position. There's also some off-the-field concerns. If the Giants don't have issues with those uh, factors, then I think he makes sense for them. Other than that, Rashawn Slater, the offensive lineman from Northwestern who could play kind of all over the place, would be a pick. Or it's possible in the scenario I'm laying out, Jalen Waddle still on the board, 
Did they just say we're going with the best player available and, to, and deem it as him? I, that would be kind of wild because they just spent a lot of money on Kenny Galladay and actually have other pretty decent receivers, including Sterling Shepard. So to me, that would be interesting, but I'm going with Micah Parsons there, which then leaves Jalen Waddle for the Eagles at 12. You know, Philly drafted a receiver last year, so taking one two years in a row is not how I would uh, work the team. They took Jalen Rieger last year, uh, last year, but you know, the cornerbacks are gone. The top two cornerbacks are off the board. That would be the, the obvious position to me. If, if Horner's retained, somehow around, the Eagles are going that guy. They could take Rashawn Slater and, and just view him as an upgrade over one of their positions. He can really play all five spots. I just don't think that's like a screaming need for them. And, um, you know, I, I think having Waddle would be a, a, a fun move for them. That leaves the Chargers at 13. Offensive line is is um, is where I'm looking. If Slater is still on the board, he seems to make a lot of sense. Christian Darisaw, the Virginia Tech tackle, is the player I would have there if Slater is gone. But instead, I'm going to have Slater going 14 to the Vikings. 15th pick in this scenario, New England is still here. They didn't get a quarterback as, as you know, I, I still would imagine they look to be aggressive. They've been aggressive this whole offseason, and, you know, they don't have a long-term answer there. They have Cam Newton, but they don't have a long-term answer, and that's got to be something you, you work on. And, you know, look, New England's going to hope that they that they have a really good year and won't be close to picking the top 15 next year. But between the 15th pick and their other picks, you know, they could make a big move into the top 10 to get a quarterback. So in my head, I still think that's – I won't say the most likely scenario, but I still think that is something to keep an eye on for sure. But for now, this will be where Devontae Smith slide ends. Uh, that said, I think Devon, I've, I've said this before. I think Smith is the clear third receiver behind Chase and Waddle, and I think teams have questions about his size. I know there are out, uh, analysts out there who say, "Don't do that. Don't worry about that." The production is obvious, maybe, but that's not where teams I'm talking to are feeling. Again, it just takes one team to, to have a different opinion, of course. Um, and you know, look, New England signed a couple of receive, uh, free agents uh, receivers. Uh, th this uh, cycle, so not a screaming need, but, you know, Julian Edelman just retired. Um, you know, Devontae Smith is a heck of a player. We know about the Bill Belichick-Nick Saban relationship, so presumably Smith will get a major endorsement there, so we'll go there. Uh, 16, Zayvon Collins to the Cardinals. Tony and I will talk about this one, so I will move off of, of that. The Raiders at 17. An obvious pick would be Tevin Jenkins, the uh, tackle from Oklahoma State, because he is viewed as a right tackle, and that's what the Raiders need. But I'm going to hold off there, and instead, I think the Raiders go Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, the Notre Dame linebacker, who, as we've discussed, not really a linebacker, uh, more of a hybrid defender. Again, Tony and I will get into to him. 18, the Dolphins. I've got a, an edge rusher here. We can, you know, Quiddy, whether it's Quiddy Pay from Michigan, Jalen Phillips from Miami. To me, this is a position where, for Miami, you know, pass rusher is always a premium spot. They have got the two first-round picks. They've got another pick. You know, what is it, the fourth pick of the second round? You know, they can do some damage there, whether that's a running back. Um, they already got a receiver in round one. I, there's not a ton of defensive linemen in this draft. So I would say you have an opportunity here to take the first defensive end off the board. To me, that makes a ton of sense. Which brings us to the 19th pick. For those of you scoring at home, that is where the Washington football team 
is picking. And what's the board look like at this point? So Derisaw and Awusa Karamoa would be two of the players I would consider. They're off the board. I don't really consider Zayvon Collins for Washington. He's more of a 3-4 player is how teams are looking at him. And that's not obviously what Washington is running. So what is Washington looking at here? Well, bad news. There's no player who's an obvious tackle in the NFL. There is a player, though, who played tackle in college, who some people think could play tackle, but ultimately may be a guard. This is uh, akin to Brandon Scherf? Yes, a little bit. And that would be Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. Um, look, I, I don't know definitively this, but my sense is, uh, based on conversations earlier in this draft cycle, that if he were to be there, that that would be a tough player, player for Washington to pass on. I think for most of this mock draft cycle, he hasn't been there. He's been going sort of in that range, that 13, 14 range, and he could still. Like, I'm not saying that this is uh, the only scenario possible, but in this scenario, um, uh, to me, he would be tough for Washington to, to, to skip. And look, could they try him at left tackle? They could, sure. If they decide he's ultimate guard, totally cool. By the way, we all kind of know Brandon Scherf, Unless they sign him to a long-term deal, he's probably not going to be back next year with a third franchise tag. So they would need another guard. Anyway, um, you know, look, West Schweitzer, I think, did a pretty solid job last year, uh, all things considered. But, you know, this kid's a first-round pick. Pretty clean prospect, I think, would give you better talent there. You also still have Sadiq Charles. So even if you don't take a tackle, maybe Charles is the one who's playing left tackle if it's not vera tucker so that to me is where i would go now that said the other the, there's other there's some other players here i would consider for washington uh one is jamin davis who we have talked about a bunch obviously uh throughout this process jamin davis arguably makes more sense than vera tucker for this reason only i guess i think in round two at 51 washington will have a very good opportunity to draft an offensive lineman tackle guard there are, there are a lot of offensive linemen who will be um, going off the board in the first two rounds. They'll have options. The linebackers, I think there's some options, and we'll get to some of them in a, in a minute, but there's not as many. So if they view Jamin Davis and Vera Tucker com comparable, I think it would arguably make sense from a value standpoint going forward with the rest of the draft to take Jamin Davis. So my thought right now is Vera Tucker, but Jamin Davis would make sense. Here's the other one I don't think has been discussed enough, but I'm going to mention it here. And that's Trayvon Morig, the safety from TCU. You know, if we rated Washington's needs, putting long-term quarterback aside, um, offensive tackle, left tackle, linebacker, free safety. Morig, I think, is by and large considered to be the top safety in the draft class, and my sense is that he would be something Washington would consider. Now, does that mean you take him in 19, or is that the type of move where if you really think he's interesting, could you trade down? And I think this is something to keep in mind for Washington. Look, I get it. It's easy to say trade down, right? We all kind of just say that. Um, trade down, get more picks, all that stuff. But in this case, I think there's some things to consider here. So let's look at this really quickly here. The Bears are at 20. The Colts are at 21, the Titans are at 22, the Jets are at 23, the Steelers are at 24. What's interesting with all of those teams, certainly everybody at least but the Jets could use a tackle. Now, I mentioned that Jenkins is a right tackle, not a left tackle, but that's not an issue, I don't think, for the Bears or the Titans or the Steelers. 
the Jets could use offensive line. Um, and look, if, if Vera Tucker is on the board and Washington is not necessarily compelled to, uh, to take him, then that could be somebody they could trade up for. If you're, if you're a team interested in cornerback, well, at this point on the board, we've had two go. The third one, I'm going to guess, is Greg Newsom from Northwestern with Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech somewhere in the mix. But he, of course, had the, a second back surgery or back procedure um, during this draft cycle, and that may drop him down a bit. And if you're a team that wants, wants a corner, which, again, of that group, the Bears arguably need a corner, the Titans arguably need a corner, the Jets definitely need a cornerback. All those teams might say, hey, we want to get the next guy while we can. Let's also mention wide receiver here, right? So three receivers are off the board. We'll assume that Devontae Smith is, is, is off the board. If he's not, that would be a really intriguing player. It's still there. But the Bears need arguably a receiver. The Titans, again, a receiver. Um, I would say when you look further down the list, the Browns, the Ravens, who obviously made a huge deal over the weekend, the Saints, the Packers. All those teams could arguably take receiver. And, you know, I don't know if there's a definitive answer. Who's the fourth receiver? Is that Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, who I like? Is that um, Elijah Moore from Mississippi, who I really think is a, a name to watch in the first round that I wasn't thinking necessarily that um, a, a couple of weeks ago? And, you know, there's also some other names to consider. Kadarius Tony from Florida, who's like sort of this gadgety guy. Uh, there's you know, reports out there about Terrace Marshall from LSU having some injury issues, uh, whether I have not confirmed that. So I don't know definitively whether, whether that's real or just nonsense, but you know, he's a, he's somebody that was getting some first round attention point is, and, and also I'll even mention Christian Barmore, the tack, the defensive tackle from Alabama, who's really the only defensive tackle with probably really any chance of getting picked in the first round. If a team wants any of these players, by the way, let me just add one more caveat here. I mentioned defensive end. We gave one to the Dolphins. I went with Quiddy Pay. Jalen Phillips from Miami. I've had numerous sources tell me they think he's got the most upside of any of the defensive end prospects. You got Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. Jalen, or sorry, Jason Owe from Penn State. Uh, my point is not that, I'm not saying any of these people are tremendous, but there's some runs on deck. And right where Washington is picking, is a very interesting opportunity to trade down to take advantage of that. So I'm going to keep that in mind. I'm not going to do that here. I may do that when we when I get to my three-way mock draft, but I'm not going to do that here. But I do think whether at 19 or trade down, keep an eye on Trayvon Morig. Uh, again, when I say all these things, I'm not you know I, I don't I don't I, I don't I don't picture people aggregating my podcast. But I'm not saying that's happening. I'm not saying the Washington's going to do this. I'm saying it is something to consider. The variables are massive. All the picks that happen in front of Washington, as Ron Rivera reminds us, will in many ways influence what happens to the team at 19. But I think those are players to keep an eye on. And, and Trayvon Morig is somebody that has not been discussed enough. Let me just quickly go through these last few picks. Uh, Elijah Moore, as I mentioned, I think the Bears... Uh, they need to do something flashy, so I have them taking a receiver there. The Colts would love a tackle, but I don't think there's one on the board that I see it making sense at 21, so Jalen Phillips I think would work for them. Uh, let me jump ahead to the Steelers. Uh, well, speaking of, well, let me go back. Speaking of Tevin Jenkins, I had one pretty good source tell me he thinks Tevin Jenkins could slip not just past the early 20s, maybe even out of the first round. I don't know if that's because he's not a left tackle, 
but something to consider. I still have them going 22 right now to the Titans, but keep that in mind. The Steelers are a team that if Tevin Jenkins is there, could absolutely use him, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to give them Najee Harris. I don't typically love the idea of taking a running back in the first round. However, I think that, um, you know, when, when you look at where Pittsburgh's at, obviously Ben Roethlisberger, you know, they're, they're trying to, you know, squeeze out the last amount of juice out of, out of Roethlisberger and giving him a ready-to-go running back in Najee Harris. They lost uh, James Conner in free agency. They need something. I think that actually could work in a sort of short-term way. Not ideal, again, taking a running back, but Najee Harris is an absolutely fine player for sure. Um, I think Tr Trayvon Morig to the Jaguars can make a lot of sense. Um, I'm going to just skip down here a little bit. Uh, Jamin Davis, I'm going to have go to the Packers at 28 right now. I, I just want Jamin Davis in the first round. Don't know. The Packers could use another linebacker. So that to me makes some sense. Um, I mentioned I don't like taking running backs in the first round. I think right now I've got two. I got the Bills taking Travis Etienne, the uh, flashy uh, running back out of Clemson. That is a, an offensive weakness for the Bills. So I think that can make some good sense there. And since there may be some Ravens people who listen to this podcast as well, at 27, um, look, I think for the Ravens, edge rusher, offensive line receiver are probably their top needs. That said, Christian Barmore, I mentioned him. Uh, Alabama, the Ravens like Alabama players. Uh, my uh, my colleague and pal, Jeff, is a reback, uh, who covers the Ravens for the Athletic. He wrote a story the other day about how the Ravens are a team that doesn't necessarily think the best way to help the pass rush is from an edge rusher, but more of a defensive tackle from the inside. So I'm going to sort of keep that in mind and go with Barmore for them at 27. And I could take, say, a Jason Owe at 31. But in I, part of this is this exercise is trying to figure out who will go in the first round, almost even more than which teams will get which player. So I'm going to go with Rashad Bateman here. Bateman, I think, could go 20 to the Bears uh, or uh, – 28 to the Saints or hypothetically to the Packers, but I'm going to go with uh, Bateman 31 to the Ravens. So hopefully that was a, that, that was a quick look. And by the, for what it's worth, the Super Bowl champ Buccaneers will round out the first round. Joe Tryon defensive end out of Washington, some more depth for that defensive line uh, for them. Um, I will post my old, my final first round somewhere online, maybe not on the athletic, but somewhere online. You can, you'll be able to check that out. Um, by the way, I will mention, I'm going to be on the Ross Tucker podcast. I don't know when it's going up. I'm recording it tomorrow morning, meaning Monday morning. So we'll be talking about the draft as well. Obviously that's a really fun one. You heard Ross here on this podcast. So that would be a fun conversation there. Let me go through some other aspects though of Washington's draft. I already kind of went through, the first round scenarios, right? So let's talk about some other people to consider. Now, what does that mean? Who else are we um, considering here? Um, I uh, So as I'm looking ahead, as I said, to these sort of, um, I'm gonna do a three-way mock draft and I started to look at players beyond the first round for sure, and, 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 you know, checked in with people around the league, um, and so on. Here are some names I would say to keep an eye on. Again, when I say keep an eye on, 
I don't know what the board's going to look like. Um, they may like some of these players I'm, I'm discussing. In fact, in many cases, my sense is that there is some interest from Washington. They may have interest in other players. I can't tell exactly how it's going to work. And trust me, I'm not trying to hedge here. I feel good with what I'm about to tell you. I'm just saying I can't definitively tell you how the board will look, and therefore there may be other players that they you know, that they like better than these players. But here are some names to keep an eye on, I would say. Now, first of all, round two, we're going to look at it in a couple ways. I mentioned the idea of trading down, right, um, from, from 19. You could trade down later in the first round, and if you do to a certain point, I, I think offensive linemen could be in play. Now, I didn't have any other offensive linemen – go in the first round after Tevin Jenkins at 22. Um, that said, um, I think Sam Cosby from Texas could go in the first round. Um, I think Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame offensive tackle could go in the first round. Maybe Alex Leatherwood, the sort of guard tackle from Alabama, less so. Landon Dickerson, the Center from Alabama, I'm going to say no to that. I had multiple sources tell me because of his injuries, they all like him as a player, but they just don't see it happening. Obviously, Washington wouldn't be looking at a guy like him anyway, but all the other ones would make some sense. If Washington were to trade down deeper into the first round, I think those are names to keep an eye on, or I think you could go look at it the other way. Could Washington trade up into the second round? I don't think it's inconceivable. I mean, Washington's been aggressive, and, you know, if you get, you know, well, my, uh, my uh, phone started talking there. Uh, if you, um, you know, it, it, look, I'm just saying th th there's some other names to consider. So I think guys like those offensive linemen, if Washington goes linebacker or some other way in the first round, and they want to get a linebacker, or sorry, an offensive lineman, I think they could get aggressive and possibly move up. So I think those are some of the offensive linemen to keep an eye on. If they were to move up, I guess it's possible any of them could be there at 51, but would probably be, guess, less likely um, on that. Now, um, some other names, if we talk, if, if they're at 51, right, to, uh, to keep an eye on um, for Washington. Um, I think a guy that I like is safety Javon Holland out of Oregon. I don't know what to make of him. I had one sort of prominent uh, talent evaluator tell me that he personally had a, a first-round grade on Holland. Doesn't expect him to go in the first, but has a first-round grade. But when I look at, like, public mock drafts or public big boards, he's seemingly going in, like, the 60s. Uh, so I'm not sure what to make of him. And Washington has picks, of course, 51, 74, and 82 on day two. So doesn't quite fit, but I I'm intrigued by him. He's a, a free safety with cornerback cover skills. He's also a returner. Um, what I was told is that he, he did, at least at one point, spoke with Washington over Zoom and that he spoke with Nate Katzer, Washington's special teams coach, which was interesting to me. Obviously, we know Washington's return game hasn't been that exciting the last few years. Um, so that could be something to keep an eye on. And free safety is a clear need for sure. Um, if they were to look at offense, if they were to look at uh, a linebacker, in round two, I think a guy to keep an eye on is Pete Werner from Ohio State. I've mentioned him previously, if not here on the mock in, uh, or if not here on the podcast, in a previous mock draft on The Athletic. I've been told by by, by multiple uh, scouts that what whatever they think of Werner, who had a really good pro day, you know, ran fast, all that, that 
he is the kind of guy that Rivera would love. Um, just the way he plays, his attitude, all that. And he's a, he's a talented player. Maybe he isn't the most athletic guy, even though he ran a good 40 time. Um, and if you look at the public big boards, he's not a name that is going in the second round. It's certainly not around 51. But I've, I've talked to other people who are a little more in more believing that he's good enough to be in that range for Washington. So I think with Warner and Holland, like it wouldn't stun me if they were the picks, maybe just in the wrong order. Just keep that, you know, I don't know which one is the two and which one's the three, but just something to keep in mind. Um, a little offensive line a little bit further down the list, uh, Walker Little from Stanford, um, who I believe uh, we talked, I, I talked about a little bit with, with Tony, so I won't get into, but basically he hasn't played in two years, one because of an injury and then two because of an opt-out. But previously in like 2018, he had first round, uh, people talked about a first round talent. So, uh, you know, could be an interesting play there for Washington on day uh, on day two. Now, obviously, if we're talking day two, we got to talk quarterbacks. Here's my sense of this. So Davis Mills from Stanford, Kyle Trask from Florida, Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. Those are the three quarterbacks that um, are the, the are the six, seven and eight guys in some order. Again, depending on who you talk to. There's intrigue in, with, with any of them. I, I think Kellen Mond is, is, is interesting because he is by far the most uh, college experience of, of the three. He was highly productive, um, didn't have the weapons that a, a, a Trask did or, or a, um, you know, a, a Trevor Lawrence or something like that, but he put up good numbers. That said, I, I don't, at the moment at least, I don't have the sense that he's somebody Washington is looking at. Trask and Mills, on the other hand, I've heard that they, Washington has definitely taken a long look at both. I think Mills, to me, is the most interesting. Uh, you know, he's just been limited. He only had 11 starts in college. He, had, he suffered a knee injury his last year of high school, had another knee injury when he got to Stanford. Uh, that that hurt him. Then this year with, with the Pac-12s kind of going all over the place with the schedule, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to play. Then they come back. And, and just COVID in general, you know, he was limited um, to the amount of games and opportunity he had there. If they're going to take a quarterback, I, to me, I would go him over Trask, who, who I think can be solid but maybe has lesser upside, is the way he's been described to me. All that said, I think you guys have heard me say this before, I just don't personally love Washington taking a quarterback here. I, I just don't like day two quarterbacks. Again, it just feels like if you really like the guy, you probably take him in the first round. And other than that, um, you know, it just often feels like you're forcing it to because of the position, meaning you're taking a player one or two rounds earlier than you would probably have them on their on their board. And I don't know what Washington's board looks like. I'm just saying in a general sense, if you look at most public bid board, these quarterbacks are in the 70s and 80s, not in the 50s, typically. So keep that in mind. But I think Davis Mills or Kyle Trask are names to keep an eye on. Some other players. Further down the list, um, you know, probably more day three players in no particular order. And again, not saying Washington is definitely taking any of them. Just some guys I'm keeping an eye on. Um, this one's actually more of a day, probably late day two. Tommy Tremble, the tight end from Notre Dame. I know there's been some interest there. Uh, Jamar Jefferson, running back, Oregon State. Oregon State. Um, you know, running back is not a position we've talked about a ton. But obviously beyond Gibson and McKissick, you know, it's not like there's. I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't say Peyton Barber is a lock or Lamar Miller is a lock, but I think that you know that I don't think Washington has to go running back, but.
but it wouldn't stun me if they did just from that perspective. And, you know, they did just let Bryce Love go. And if you look at Marty Herney's history, if we're going to just try to use the, any of those, any of uh, th these people's f prior experiences to help guide us, you know, Herney has a track record of taking some type of uh, skill, offensive skill player uh, somewhere within his first two or three picks. So um, you can keep that in mind. Um as well, although in this case, a guy like Jefferson is more of a um, round five, round you know, day day three uh, kind of kind of a player. I think uh, Thomas Graham, the cornerback from Oregon, could make some sense for Washington. Um, I don't necessarily know what they think of him, but Derek Barnes, the linebacker from Purdue, we'll get to. We'll talk about him in a minute with Tony. He's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, I'm not positive how to say his name. Diamodor De Lenore, an another cornerback from Oregon, I think is someone uh, who could be interesting somewhere later on day three. Um, Brevin Jordan, tight end from Miami. Uh, again, probably maybe more of a late day two. Is somebody to keep an eye on? I, I really haven't paid any attention to quarterbacks on day three because it's just been so much focusing on the one, the day one, day two for Washington. If they were to get to day three, look, obviously anything is possible, but, uh, you know, you already have Allen, Heineke, and Montez. I don't really quite get at that point why why they would do um, much more. All right. In any event, I'm going to stop there. Hopefully that was interesting for you guys. Um, we've got more interesting coming up here on the Standard Room Only podcast because we're going to start right now. Talk to Tony Pauline. Uh, a fun conversation. Peppered him with a bunch of questions. Hopefully you guys will uh, – get more out of this as well so let's get to that uh right here on the standard room only podcast welcoming in tony pauline talking nfl draft all right very excited uh to bring on our next guest when we want to talk about the nfl draft there's nobody better to do that than the great tony pauline uh tony uh first and foremost how are you doing uh and, and how's kind of everything going up with the pro football network where you kind of where you do all your uh draft thinking these days uh everything's good first thanks thanks for having me back it's good to be back with you our our annual soiree and to, uh, to say to, you know to put it one way but everything's good i mean uh pro football network we're kicking we got a free draft guide that uh, your listeners can go to and download uh we've got the mock draft simulator which i'm told is very addictive i don't use it too much because <laughs> once I, i'm afraid once i get on it, i won't be able to get off of it uh, we've obviously got the show where he runs that with Trey Wingo, where uh, I drops a few nuggets of information. Uh, so it's going well. I mean, uh, it's it's more than just me in the draft. I mean, we've got uh, guys who do fantasy football, a little bit of gambling for those who like to uh, lay down a few bucks. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's taken off because they got good people uh, running it and they got good people who writing for it. Yeah, no, it's it's been good when I've checked it out, and I encourage everybody. To, to do that. Um, all right. So uh, I don't have you for a ton of time. You are a busy man. And I appreciate, as I said, your time here. So we're just going to jump in. I've got a bunch of questions from me, from the from the listeners of the podcast about the broad NFL draft. And then obviously we'll dial it back to the Washington football team. Um, I guess just let me start randomly. I'll skip the top five for the moment. I've talked a ton about Mac Jones and all that, but we'll see if we have time to get to that. Um, rumors galore this 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 cycle it feels like there's even more than normal uh, there's always uncertainty with the draft because we don't know what's going to happen but it feels like there are so many more pivot points than normal and there's all kinds of rumors 
Cowboys could trade up for Kyle Pitts or the Broncos going to wait to take a quarterback at nine or are they going to trade up? Uh, could it be Micah Parsons to the Giants or do the Giants go odd and take a receiver? Uh, you know, what are the Panthers doing? All kinds of rumors. If you had to say right now, outside of the, say, the top five or top six, what's a player team match that you actually think will happen this uh, th- this time? Outside of the top five. Um, obviously, it depends on who's there. I, I think if Kyle Pitts is available at six, that's the way Miami goes. I think if Penny Sewell is available at eight, which I don't think he's going to be, that's the way the Panthers go, or the, although they all – or they can go Patrick Sertain. I think uh, if they can't get Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn or Jalen Waddle, which I don't expect them to, I think the Arizona Cardinals take Zayvon Collins. Um, and, you know, get back to me on Tuesday because that's when I will uh, release my final mock draft. Or you can find out Tuesday at Pro Football Network. That's when I release my final mock draft. I do agree with you. There are some flash points. Though. I think there's more flash players in the sense that, if Mac Jones gets past San Francisco, that's a player the team will trade up. Uh, will start to trade up for. If Penny Sewell gets past uh, number five at uh, Cincinnati, that's a player that I expect teams to make a move to trade up for. If one of the other quarterbacks starts to slip past the Denver Broncos, I think uh, one of those two quarterbacks or a team uh, or player teams may trade up for. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, as somebody who's also going to do a final mock draft, I feel incredibly nervous. I mean, I probably take it more seriously than you do. You're focused as, you know, you really study the players. And for me, it is more of this exercise and people look to see what, what's gonna, what I'm going to pick. And honestly, this year just feels crazy because of the, the potential quarterback movement. Even like I've said, at three and four and five, it's hard to know not just which player they pick, but what position, what direction these teams will go for. And that's going to dictate um, so much to, to that end. In terms of the first round, what's for you is the most confusing or intriguing team anywhere in the first round? San Francisco at three. You know, they made that big move. It's obviously going to be a quarterback. I think <clears throat> right now, Mac Jones is a slight favorite, but in my mind, he's not worth the third pick of the draft. He's not even the third quarterback off the board. So you made a huge move. You gave away a lot of draft capital uh, to potentially take the fifth quarterback, uh, off the board uh, to me that 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 is surprising I mean the Raiders you never know what the Raiders are going to do uh, they gave away half of their offensive line in the offseason you got to assume it's going to be offensive line but how many people thought they were going to select Damon Arnett last year how many thought people thought they were going to take uh, Cleveland Farrell with the fourth pick of the draft when they did so I think the uh, the, uh, uh, the, the the Raiders you don't know what they're going to do the Jets with that second selection offensive line makes the most sense but if it's not, if they don't take an offensive line, do they go cornerback? So, I, I mean, the Saints as well. I mean, the Saints last year, they had Jordan Love staring him in the face. Would have been the per- perfect selection. They take the Michigan center who they moved to guard. So, uh, again, you know, obviously they need cornerbacks. They need receivers. But there's also a glaring need, as far as I'm concerned, at the quarterback position for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, without, uh, without question, and maybe I'll come back to – to that in a second but you mentioned the saints obviously we focus primarily on the top of the draft but obviously there's gonna be 32 picks one way or the other and the fluctuation on some well, level actually the- actually there's 255 picks <laughs> you know yeah. you know yeah. you, you, you people focus at the top of the draft 
that's not only, you know, the first five or six selections, that's round one. You know, there were seven rounds in the draft and the bus factor in round one is huge compared to many of the other rounds. So there's not 32 picks, there's 255 picks. People tend to forget that. Absolutely. Well, and I'll I'll ask you about uh, some of those later rounds in a second, but the fluctuation early in the draft is will a Penny Sewell go five? Will he go seven? You know, will a Jalen Waddle go to the Lions at seven or could he slip to the Patriots at 15? The back of the first round, the question is more of who's actually going to be in the first round. And you yeah. hear start hearing players that have ranges of 20 to 40 or right. 25 to 45. And it's like, well, how do you figure out? So let me ask you this. Who is a prospect that you, in your opinion, is not receiving maybe consistent buzz late in the first round that you actually will think is going to get or has a really good chance to get there that maybe we just aren't kind of talking about enough? Well, I, I mean, I mentioned Zabin Collins, but I, I think uh, he's a guy who's going to go mid first round. Uh, I don't think, you know, Jamin Davis is a guy from Kentucky, the linebacker, who I think is almost a lock first rounder at this point in time. With the injury to Caleb Farley, with some questions about Greg Newsom, Kelvin Joseph, the cornerback from Kentucky, could potentially slide into the late part of round one, excuse me. And then it's a terrible defensive tackle class. Everyone you know, talks about Christian Barmore, <clears throat> but I think the uh, Washington defensive tackle, Levi and, and Muzuriki could also uh, slide into the late part of round one. Um, yeah, and I meant to say, I'm with, I'm with you on Collins. I, I, I put it, I said something previously and things I've written about him to, uh, to, to possibly as high as 16 to the Cardinals. I don't think he's a fit for Washington, but we'll come back to that in a second. But he's going to go, I think, higher than people think. Um, interesting, you, you mentioned Kelvin Joseph over a guy like, say, Asante Samuel, who I've heard people say would be a top 25 pick if he was six foot. Uh, is is the, is the lack of size. I, I, and, I, and I would agree with that, but he's not six foot. He's five right. ten. So, you know, you, you, you deal the cards that are dealt to you. <laughs> right, right. You can't, there's certain things you can work on. There's not much you can do um, on, on that. Uh, l- let me, uh, l- let me get to uh, s- some Washington things to, to get into some of the quarterbacks. Obviously I'm not necessarily somebody who thinks they are locked into trading up for a quarterback, but simultaneously I've been told that they are open to it depending on how the board folds. I do think you mentioned Denver at nine. It seems like hard to figure out how does Washington trade up high enough to get past 10, 11, 12, where the other NFC East teams are. But then simultaneously, you have to maybe jump Denver if Denver wants to uh, take a quarterback. But Denver's in a much better position to trade higher themselves without, you know, giving up as much as Washington would have to. So I guess, what's your sense of, like, the likelihood that Washington would actually trade up? And do you actually buy? And I guess to that end, if they did, who do you think there is? Is it Trey Lance or Fields? Or who do you think? Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I reported on my show with Trey Wingo exactly what you just said. I mean, Washington is open to trading up for a quarterback, but the sense that I was getting at the time is they're not going to make a move to four. They're not going to give away all that draft capital to move to four and swap out picks with Atlanta so they can get their quarterback. Obviously, Denver is the flashpoint. You're not going to trade at 10, 11, or 12 with with, uh, the Cowboys, uh, Giants, or, or Eagles. And it's a matter of can you put a nice enough package in front of Denver Denver is going to basically, you know, turn away from the quarterback that they could potentially draft. Now, it's going to be very tough for uh, uh, for Washington to uh, to trade up. I, I guess the only thing is somehow uh, one of those quarterbacks gets past the Eagles and is sitting there at 13, and maybe they make a move with the Chargers. Uh, you know, I, I think with that system, 
And with Ryan Fitzpatrick on uh, on the depth chart, Trey, I think they'd love to have Trey Lance. I think he'd be a good fit for them. And the fact is this, with Ryan Fitzpatrick on the, on the uh, depth chart, you don't have to start him right away. And I've said all along with Trey Lance, love his upside, but he only started one year on college football level. And as an underclassman, when you look at those guys who started one year and left for the draft, the names of uh, Mitch Trubisky, the names of Mark Sanchez, and oh yeah, the name of Dwayne Haskins sticks out as guys that have very thin bodies to work on the college level, led, uh, left for the draft, and then it just did not work out. So I think Trey Lance is a guy, if he starts to slide, they came, could make a move up. I agree with you. It's going to be very tough for them to make a move up. I do know this, and I've reported this a couple of times. They like Davis Mills a lot. They're not going to take Davis Mills in the first round. Davis Mills is the quarterback of Stanford. They like him a lot. I think he's a guy that they would target in round two. I think maybe if they have to move up a few slots in round two to get him, they could. And again, with Ryan Fitzpatrick right now listed as your starting quarterback, it's something you could do because you don't have to start Davis Mills right away. He's a guy that's got great upside, great physical skills. You could develop him and eventually insert him into the starting lineup. Uh, yeah, uh, the Davis Mills thing, another thing we both have talked about a lot, and I, I want to come back to him in the day two quarterbacks in a second, but let me just ask you this. So part of the exercise with his, yes, we, we all kind of get it. Washington needs a long-term answer to quarterback. There's a world where Kyle Allen, maybe Taylor Heineke develops, but that seems unlikely just based on what we've seen to date. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is 38 years old. Okay. So at some point they've got to get a long-term answer, but they don't have to get it now there. And, and I'm wondering to you this, what do you think is the more realistic scenario or the, the best scenario? You've already mentioned just the, the, the potential concerns with Trey Lance because of an experience. Justin Fields obviously is a very intriguing prospect, but seems like there could be some data out there. And look, if Mac Jones uh, doesn't go to three to the Niners, we don't really know where, where he could fall. He could drop outside the top 10. What do you think is more the best move for Washington, where they are right now, a team that won the division, but is still not exactly, you know, a, a, a proven contender in the NFC? Go now, be aggressive. Use, to say, their 2022 first-round pick. They've got two third-round picks this year. Take that. Maybe you have to give up something else to move up to take a quarterback now or play this year out with the three guys they have and knowing that the, there's a volatile veteran market these days, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, who knows what happens with them. And there will be a draft next year with other players. A year ago, nobody was talking about Zach Wilson and Mac Jones in the first round. What do you think is, what would you sort of advise if asked to, to make the move now to get that guy or be patient and wait, knowing that other things could happen? Right. And two years ago, no one was talking about Joe Burrow as the first pick of the draft. So you're right on with that point. I am never in favor of giving away tons of draft capital for one player, especially, you know, maybe if that one player is going to throw you over the edge and throw you, you know, take you to the next level. But I don't think a rookie quarterback is going to do that. I would be against giving away huge amounts of draft capital uh, for a quarterback. Now, if they had to say move from 19 to nine and give away their first pick in 2022, depending on the quarterback, I may not be against that because, you, you know, you, you ran down their situation, a quarterback. And I think it's, it is a good time for them to get a rookie quarterback because he's not going to uh, be forced to start day one of the 2021 season. You could have put him behind Ryan Fitzpatrick and let him blossom, let him develop for, for a bit. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not, was never the long-term answer for anybody. Not, not, not for the Washington Reds, Washington football team, Miami Dolphins, when he's with, with the Jets, he's never the long-term answer. He's a stopgap quarterback. 
which is why this may be a good year for Washington, you know, to get the, their quarterback. I wouldn't give away tons of my, uh, tons of draft capital. I've never been in favor of that. Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, uh, the, the uh, quarterback that uh, Washington took from Baylor, uh, Robert Griffin. Three, yeah. Uh, that, that that those trades just usually never work out. Yeah, I, I think people in this town are feeling burned for sure, and I don't think uh, some excited because I think they're reflexively they want the quarterback, but I, I I would I look at it with trepidation. Now speaking of trading up. They could trade up for for something a non quarterback, maybe a smaller move. Ron Rivera said they would be, you know, kind of open to that hypothetically. Um, the one guy that seems intriguing to me would be Micah Parsons from Penn State because Washington's does need a linebacker upgrade, and he feels like the considered to be the best linebacker in this class. There's maybe some off the field concerns. Do you think he's worthy if he slips into the 13, 14, 15, 16 range? If he's there, is he the type of player that would be worth it for this defense, knowing the defensive line group they have? They got William Jackson, Kendall Fuller, Landon Collins on the back end. You know, if he starts to slide, especially if he, he gets past uh, New England, that means there are major red flags. I'm, let's put aside the concerns about the character that are out there. My concerns with Michael Parson are as much that his instincts run hot and cold if you actually watch the film. Oftentimes, he's searching for the ball. He, he seems to kind of hesitate when he reacts. But he was able to make plays on the college level because of his superior speed, because of his ability to quickly close to the action, his explosiveness, both in a straight line and laterally, his athleticism. It's an easy thing to do on Saturday. It's a much tougher thing to do on Sunday. So I am as concerned about the way uh, – Parsons' instincts run hot and cold uh, as much as, as the off-the-field issues. Now, you know, if he's fall, like I said, if he's falling in the middle of round one, those red flags have popped up for a number of teams. Would I be against Washington moving up for him? Not if they're not giving away a whole lot of uh, draft capital and not if Ron Rivera, a defensive-minded coach, is comfortable with Micah Parsons. Uh, you know, that would make sense. That will fit. That would fit a need at the linebacker spot. Um, but again, with, with Parsons, there are a lot of boxes that have to be checked off and that you have to be comfortable with. Um, all right. Speaking of linebackers, the guys who are more typically projected into Washington range, Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, there's really high, he's not even probably right to call him a linebacker. This hybrid defender you can kind of use all over the place who kind of fits the modern game, but he's not the biggest guy to say the least. And then you mentioned Jamin Davis earlier, another player who's been mentioned to some degree with Washington. If they went linebacker, that's they could go that route. But also, they could go offensive line, which I think is probably their biggest need, and that's more of a premium position, especially if we're talking about a tackle. Christian Darisaw could be there, and I don't know. I'm kind of thinking Elijah Vera Tucker, the, the guard tackle from USC. I don't I don't know if it, the, the mock drafts have this right. I mean, it kind of feels like maybe he's going to has a better chance to be at 19 than I thought a, a few weeks ago. Any of those four guys, if I say they're all available for Washington, knowing their needs and you knowing the players, who would you like for them to take at uh, 19. If Christian Darisaw is there, and I don't think he's going to be there, but if he's there, I, I'm jumping all over him. In my mind, he's the most underrated, or one of the most underrated offensive linemen in this year's draft. I haven't graded higher than Rashawn Slater, who everybody loves. I'm not so sure Rashawn Slater is going to be a tackle in the NFL. I think he's better off at guard. Darisaw has got excellent size. He's athletic. He shows good footwork at left tackle. He shows the ability to get out in the second level and bury opponents. Uh, he's mobile for a guy that's 322 pounds, the way he easily moves about the field. If he's there, 
that's my guy. Vera Tucker uh, came in a little bit taller than everyone expected. I still like him better at guard than I do at tackle. Um, Jamin Davis, I think that's a little bit early for him to go. Awusu Koromoro would be interesting. Awusu Koromoro is my 17th ranked player on the board. Uh, so it's right there in that range with, with Washington. I mean, uh, are they going to use him on the inside? Are they going to use him on the outside? I, I mean, I think he is your traditional 4-3 weak side linebacker, if you will. So uh, it, it's just a matter of they already have Kalike Hudson uh, you know, on the, on the depth chart. I don't know how they feel about him, but he's a similar – Hudson's a similar sort of hybrid safety, hybrid linebacker type of athletic player that goes sideline to sideline. Uh, but lacks the great size. All right. So uh, I, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. You, you, you would take Darisaw over Vera Tucker, which I'm not, I, I don't disagree with at all. And positionally, they kind of need him and tackles more of a premium position. He, Vera Tucker seems to be typically rated higher on public draft boards, but again, the positional need it may, can, can, can absolutely uh, change that. All right. In the last couple of minutes I've got with you here, let me just try to bang out here as much as I can. You mentioned Davis Mills before, and I agree. I, I think there's interest in Washington with him. I also think they've got interest in, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond. I don't know if I've heard as much about Washington to him, but he's a guy that some people think should be the sixth quarterback. And I don't know, maybe Jamie Newman fits in there or, or should be talked more in this group than not. Here's my question. I don't always like taking a quarterback on day two because it feels like if you really liked them, you should have taken them on day one and you're probably reaching by a round or two because it's the quarterback. If you're Washington, again, we discussed their long-term issue. They have three picks on day two. Do you take any of these guys, especially in round two? Do you actually like any of them enough to do that? Or would they be better off, as we discussed, just addressing other areas and then dealing with quarterback next year? Well, you know, I, I think you have to take the best player on your board. You know, when you start targeting positions over players, you end up with players that that are not as good as the ones that you could have had. So, you know, if they take a Christian Darasaw in round one or an offensive lineman in round one because they can't get any of the quarterbacks and Davis Mills is your top rated player when, when you're called to the board in the second round, that's the way you go. I mean, I also know that they like Walker Little, the, uh, the, the left tackle from Stanford who hasn't really played football in two years, but as a freshman and sophomore, 2017, 2018, he was uh, looked upon as potentially the next great left tackle to come out of the Stanford program. I mean, if they go offensive line, if they go linebacker in round one, and then none of their quarterbacks that they like are available in round two, Walker Little is a guy that they could look at in round two. I, I am not one, say, you know, you target a position in one round, then you target a position in another round. You, you got to go by the highest rated player on your boards, or what you end up with is a lot of mediocre players. I could understand if Washington says, listen, you know, we've got we got Darisaw graded as highly as Awusukor Mora here, but we've got a lot of tackles on our board that we feel we can get in the second or third round where the linebacker crop really falls off. So let's go with Cora uh, Mora here in round one. And then in day two, we feel we, we will be able to get a good uh, tackle considering the depth of the class and considering what our board looks like. I, I think you can do that, but I, I, I don't, think you say well listen we got to get a quarterback in round one then we got to get our offensive lineman around two you got to stay true to your board that's why you have a scouting department do, uh, do you do do you have any of those other quarterbacks those you know qb6 potential guys any of them as a 
second round quarterback in your I, I have all three of them all three I have uh, Kellen Mund who I think is going to go a lot earlier than people think as a second rounder Kyle Trask and David Davis Mills and then it falls off a cliff I don't see Jamie Newman being selected in the draft until middle part of day three okay. I mean the guy did not play he played okay at 2019 he opted out last season he played well the first day of senior bowl practices and then he was not good the last two days I just don't see how you take a guy like Jamie Newman, despite all his good, great physical skills, uh, in the second day of the draft. Yeah, and you mentioned the the, the, the tackles. I mean, there's guys like Spencer Brown who'll be there on day two. Uh, you know, it's possible, uh, maybe, maybe not at 51, but guys like Sam Cosme, Alex Leatherwood, Dylan Radens will be some. It could be some of them could be late first, but they could be somewhere in the second um, as well. So there are definitely a lot of offensive linemen. Uh, Day two tight ends. Uh, I think Washington needs to get one at some point here. Any favorites day two tight ends for you or day three for that matter? Yeah, good luck with that. I mean, it's a terrible position this year. I, I mean, you know, did they take a chance with Tommy Tremble in round two? A lot of upside, but needs a lot of work on his game. Same thing, same thing with Brevin Jordan. I mean, uh, good athlete, could be a real good player down the road, but needs a lot of development. You know, they could come away with a, a good tight end later on in the draft. John Bates of Boise State in the sixth round. Zach Davidson of Central Missouri, same round. I mean, he's a uh, good athlete, very productive, uh, makes a lot of highlight plays from Central Missouri, but didn't play last year, last season because Central Missouri didn't have a season. So it's a very thin tight end class again you got to go by what your board is. If you're drafting at the bottom of round two and all the guys that you covered are off the board and Tommy Tremble of Notre Dame is, at, is near the top of your board, he's got to be part of the conversation. Uh, safety is another position they could use, free safety. I'm assuming Trayvon Moray will be gone before they pick at 51, but Javon Holland from Oregon, I know they've talked to, will be there, or he could be there. Well, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, again, it's another real, you know, it's another uh, – position of weakness. Uh, Morig will be off the board. I would expect Richie Grant of Central Florida to be off the board. He's been getting some late first round grades by teams. Javon Holland, I doubt he's on the board. Could be because teams were kind of turned off that he opted out when he really didn't have a developed game. I mean, you're, you're probably looking in round three. Hufanga of USC, I think, is a Ron Rivera type of player. They always got the, you got Elijah Molden there of Washington. Some people like him at safety, a uh, cornerback. I like him at safety, great football player, but just not a real good athlete. Day three guy like Jamar Johnson of Indiana. If he's around in the, in the fourth round, when they're called to the clock, I think that's, that would be a real steal. And, and last question, you're, you're a scout at heart. And the, you mentioned those day three guys earlier regardless of the position doesn't have to be for Washington in particular who's a guy on day three you just like love watching on the tape and you just think in a year two three whatever we're all gonna be like how did that guy kind of go in day three Derek Barnes of uh Purdue without a doubt six foot one half inch 240 pounds ran under four six at his pro day you watch the film and Derek Barnes number 55 was constantly making plays behind the line of scrimmage on the blitz stacking against the run in pursuit against the run in coverage he was terrific at senior bowl practices and one-on-one drills covering tight ends and running backs i spoke with i interviewed khalil herbert the running back from virginia tech i asked him who was the toughest guy he faced in the one-on-one drills uh during the senior bowl he said that guy from purdue and he was referencing Derek barnes and 
Herbert's a fast guy who can catch the ball. Derek Barnes, day three, maybe he's a late third round pick, but I think day three, day three, he's going to be a steal and, and a guy that I think can quickly start as a rookie in the NFL and have a long career at the next level. Tony, so awesome. I really appreciate it. I typically ask my guests sort of random questions to get to know them better as people. I'm only going to ask you this. You are as you are a, a, a well-known lifelong Led Zeppelin fan yes. for, all, for all the kids out there who maybe are not up to speed yet on this. What's the, what's the song they need to go listen to on iTunes or whatever to get them into, as you call the mightiest band of them all. What's the one song that the uninitiated need to go to go listen to Achilles last stand. I can name probably five songs out on the tiles, 10 years gone, Achilles' Last Stand. The first song on the Presence album or CD, because nobody, I, you know, people are starting to get back into albums. And when I see the cost of albums, I used to buy albums, they were $7.95, and now they're like 35 bucks. <laughs> Achilles' Last Stand, uh, the first song on the Presence LP, or uh, you, can find, you can find it on YouTube. You can also find the live version of it from uh, 1977 when they did it in Los Angeles, uh, a very famous bootleg called Listen to This, Eddie. I dare you to listen to that song and try to sit there for 10 minutes while that song is being played. I dare you to do that. All right. I'm going to go to that right after this. Most people think of uh, a stairway to heaven when they think of right. that one. Do you think that's a good or bad uh uh, does that represent the band in the best way possible or is it just the most popular song? You know, it's funny. It's funny. Stairway to Heaven is like people who cover the draft after the Super Bowl. And what I mean by that is when pe people, you know, who cover the, start covering the draft after the Super Bowl, you know, talk about Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and people in the first round, but they don't talk about the Derek Barnes of the world. People who are not diehard Zeppelin fans talk about Stairway to Heaven. Now, People who cover the draft can talk about Derek Barnes and the guys that are going in the seventh round and, you know, picks 200, you know, picks 155 to 255, just like diehard Zeppelin fans will tell you, yeah, Stairway to Heaven's a real good song, but it's not even the best song on Zeppelin 4. I mean, as far as most Zeppelin fans are concerned, and I'm concerned, a song like When the Levee Breaks, Four Sticks, Battle of Evermore, even Black Dog, as far as I'm concerned, are better songs on Zeppelin 4. There's no such thing as a bad Zeppelin song. And Stairway to Heaven is a great song, the way it's constructed, the way it speeds up and everything else and, and finishes. Uh, and it's a great Zeppelin song, but I don't think it defines Led Zeppelin by any means. I should have asked you what NFL draft prospect this year reminds you most of Stairway to Heaven. That would probably be, uh, well, I, I, I guess it depends on on how the question's being asked and what you're trying to get at. But I, I think Jacksonville Jaguar fans would be in agreement when they say it's Trevor Lawrence because he is everything he's, he's uh, crap, cropped up to be. <laughs> Fair enough. Tony, man, really appreciate it. Go follow Tony on Twitter at Tony Pauline, P-A-U-L-I-N-E, and go read uh, all his great work uh, on the uh, profootballnetwork.com. Uh, Tony, thanks, man. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. All right. Many thanks to Tony Pauline, thanks to Penny Sewell, and of course, thanks to everyone here for listening to the podcast. Uh, you know, look, all I can tell you is that information is going to be really interesting over the next few days um, around the league. And, you know, every time, you know, it's not like when you're talking to people, you're getting the, the same answer over and over again. 
that you know, four different people tell you this will happen. It's educated people who have educated guesses and some have actual information, but you have to decipher what information is real, what's a guess, what, and also what makes sense for you. I mean, I can sit here till, you know, people can tell me stuff, but ultimately I'm the one in terms of my own mock draft that I have to make the decision and that goes for everybody else, whether it's Tony Pauline or Mel Kuyper or whomever. So it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens over the next few days. Uh, some players will be going up or down for sure. Some of that may be from uh, medical rechecks from the combine or some of it just may be the outside world had it wrong and we're just learning of that a bit more now. So um, appreciate everybody checking out the podcast. That's it though for this episode of the Standard Room Only Podcast. The NFL Draft is almost here. Hang in there, folks. We'll talk some more later in this week and hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standing. Um, but that's it for now. Until next time, see ya.